Every year in Britain, an estimated 500 million fairground rides are taken. The majority of these rides are perfectly safe. But as the rides get faster and faster and the technology behind them more sophisticated, there are growing fears that the safety guidelines that fairs have to operate to may not be up to the job. Hello and welcome to a special edition of You and Yours. We're looking at the ups and downs of Britain's fairground. One place, though, where I can guarantee a constant quality of service is our helpline. The number is always is 0800 044. Currently, fairground and theme park rides should be inspected on a daily basis. This inspection is the responsibility of those that run the rides, the fairground operators. And then, once a year, an independent inspector gives every ride the green light and approves it as safe. But these inspections aren't always as reliable as you might think. Today, the Crown Prosecution Service received a file concerning the death of a nine-year-old boy. Timothy Morgan was killed when a metal bar struck his head as he rode on a water chute ride. Less than 48 hours earlier, the ride had been approved and issued with its annual safety certificate. I never ever took Timothy on dangerous rides. This was just a plain water chute ride where you went up, round and down. And as we descended, um, I don't know what happened, but when this metal bar hit me on the one side, uh, next thing I knew I was down the bottom and in the ambulance, the gentleman told me, or one of the paramedics, that Timothy had been killed. And I don't think there's anything worse than looking at a small coffin. You know, that has to be one of the worst nightmares in anybody's life. Christopher Morgan has never recovered since the day he took his son to Coney Beach at Porthcawl. Timothy died instantly. His brother was hospitalised and his father spent five weeks in intensive care. In the past two years, well over 100 people have been seriously injured on our fairgrounds. Most of them are customers. The true figure is probably, though, even higher, as many accidents never come to the attention of the health and safety executive. Part of the problem for Britain's fairground owners is that many of their rides are outdated. Alan Jackson is a scientist at the Health and Safety Executive Laboratory in Sheffield. Every summer he receives dozens of calls from inspectors up and down the land. They're reporting accidents involving the most humble of fairground rides, like the child chair swing. I've seen accidents on fairground rides which have not been due to the ride itself or the way it's been operated, it's been down to poor design. So a typical chair from one of these rides is something like what we have here. Chain restraint which goes across the front and a little chair which the child sits in. What was the problem with it? What's the design flaw? The chain isn't designed to adjust to fit the children and hold them back into the ride. It simply goes across the opening at the front and the children can still slide underneath. So what have you actually done here to make the thing work? And we found that the most simple solution, which was the most effective, was to use this belt. And it simply adjusts up and fastens. So it's adjusted to fit the child. It's attached to the chair. It pulls them back in. And they can't fall out. As you walk around many of our traditional fairgrounds, the carousel is the abiding image of a bygone age. But according to Alan Jackson, on these wooden stallions lurks a potentially darker horse. When they were originally built, they were designed for adults. However, they're no longer considered to be an adult ride, and it's the majority of passengers are children. So the restraints on these would have originally been designed for adults and not children. On your average carousel, there aren't really any restraints, are there? Ah, there has to be somewhere for the passenger to hold on with their hands, and there has to be somewhere for them to put the feet. 
And if these are uh, originally positioned for adult arms and legs, then maybe they need rethinking for children's arms and leg lengths. It's not only the children's swings and carousels which are proving dangerous. Some fairgrounds have introduced faster and faster roller coasters, and yet they've never changed the design of the car. In these cases, the speed of the ride is inappropriate for the mechanical structures of the vehicle. At Drayton Manor Park in Staffordshire, it wasn't a roller coaster that went too fast. It was a simple snake train. This is where several small carriages are attached together like a mini train. A tractor acts as the engine and the vehicle meanders around the park like a snake. Vince Zizi and his four-year-old son Peter were passengers. It was coming to the end of the day so we thought we'd just have a quick walk up to the top. We all decided to go on the snake train. It was going round. I thought a little bit quicker actually because I was holding on for, you know, virtually for life because it was going round that quick. And all of a sudden it just went... That's it, just toppled over. Here, any prior visit by an independent inspector would have been fruitless, as the accident was put down to human error. It is also uh, an undisputed fact that most accidents on rides occur due to operator or human error. Dr John Roberts is a chartered engineer. He works for Allert and Lomax, one of the largest independent inspectors in the country. The prime responsibility for safety is that of the operator of the ride. The operation has to be carried out every day. Inspections have to be done by the person who is operating the ride before it's put into use every day. All rides should have documentation which states what sort of daily, weekly, monthly inspection and services are carried out during the normal running operation. But on the snake train at Drayton Manor, there was no overriding safety protection for passengers. There was no computer system to cut in if the driver went too fast. There was no electronic gadgets for an inspector to check. The public was totally in the hands of the operator. My son hit the train. Everybody else was lying on the floor. It was like one of these mad scenes you see on the telly. With all, you know, plane crashes and stuff like that. Bodies just everywhere. Got two scars on them, fractured my skull, broken through my legs, and I had a big scab on my head. I lost a lot of blood, and I belonged my nanny Joyce. His nanny Joyce died, and he thought he was going to end up back here, thought he was going to die. Hello, good evening. A nine-year-old child has died in a fairground accident at Puthcall in South Wales. Four other people have been seriously injured. It's thought the accident was caused by the high winds. Rachel in Puthcall, it was a different story. The water shoot ride was visited just 48 hours before Timothy Morgan was killed. Richard Cousins was the independent inspector. He issued a safety certificate declaring the water shoot ride to be safe. But he was wrong. Tim's carriage was travelling at 45 miles per hour when it smashed into a metal arch covered with fairy lights. The arch wasn't properly attached. Earlier this year, the fairground owner, Pat Evans, was fined over £7,000 for failing to make proper repairs to the ride. Timothy Morgan's father, Christopher, is still recovering. I've lost the use of my shoulder blades, which was cracked. I've lost the use of my... Well, I haven't actually lost the use of my left hand, but it goes numb all the time. I'm getting these shooting pains up my left leg. It's all connected to the left side. One of my lungs collapsed and I had a punctured artery as well, along with broken ribs. And I don't think I would have survived it had I been a smoker or drinker. 
Philip Walters was the coroner at Timothy's inquest. Speaking for the first time, he's one of a growing number of people who are calling for a change in the safety rules that surround our fairgrounds. The jury returned a verdict of unlawful killing. I gave them three alternatives. There were really only three verdicts which were available. Initially, a verdict of unlawful killing. I asked them to consider that. If they then dismissed that, they were then to consider a verdict of accidental death. And if they couldn't come to a conclusion on choosing between those two verdicts, then the only other verdict available to them was an open verdict. The Morgan family and their solicitor, John Bell, agreed that the rules need to be changed. An arch was unbolted and when work was consistently being carried out and finally inspected on three separate occasions on the 24th of February of 1994, on the 2nd of March of 1994 and on the 29th of March of 1994, Mr Cousins says he inspected and thoroughly examined this device. It is just not possible. We tried repeatedly to contact Mr Cousins and Mr Evans, but they declined our request for an interview. At the moment, those that carry out the annual inspections for fairground rides are known as independent third-party inspectors. They have to tender for each job they do. Dr John Roberts again. The system could be abused. I have no evidence that it's being abused, but it is, after all, a voluntary system, and so the first stage of the abuse could be that there are rides whose owners decide not to have these independent inspections carried out on them once a year. And the second way in which it could be abused is that the definition of an inspector is not tightly drawn. The only absolute requirement is an age limitation of 25 years of age and a judgment could be made that people are appropriately qualified and experienced when that may not be the case. It doesn't take much of a leap of imagination to think of a third possible abuse. Pay the inspector a bit more than normal and you can have a safety certificate regardless of the findings. Off the record, some industry figures claim that certificates are even being issued over the phone. Whatever happened between Mr Cousins, the fairground inspector, and the owner of the fairground, Pat Evans, may never be known. But the jury at Tim's inquest decided that he was unlawfully killed. Philip Walters was the coroner. Some person had or assumed the duty to care for the welfare of the deceased. Secondly, that the person had failed to discharge that duty and that the failure to discharge that duty was a substantial cause of the death. The fairground operators adamantly reject that there's anything wrong with their industry. They're convinced that all their systems are working. After all, they conduct daily inspections. In Devon, David Rowland's mobile fair has just arrived in town and the dodgems are about to be checked. Just get in. And he's going to put the token, token in, in the, the slot, slot and we're off. As we're driving around here, well, what are you looking at in terms of where people get into the ride and that sort of stuff? Well, it's a visual inspection while I'm actually driving the car with the plates to look to see if there are any pieces, any bolts that have come loose that have to be replaced. This would have been checked this morning by my manager in accordance with our checklist. Well, in the best tradition of uh, Dodgem cars, <laughs> an abrupt end. Well, Phil, you're here, you're just about to do the safety check. What are you doing? Uh, first of all, go in and check uh, the wiring on all the lights, make sure the wiring is okay. A general check right around the machine, check the plugs, make sure there's no bare wires, uh, check the handrails, make sure they're solid, check the bumpers, make sure they're all right. So how long would this take you every day? About an hour, hour and a half of the morning. Go around and check all the nets, make sure the netting's okay, 
gaps and no big holes in it. And I come around and I check the cars. The industry is split into two sections, the large permanent fairgrounds and the smaller roving attractions. David Rowlands of the Showman's Guild represents the travelling fairgrounds and Richard Pawley of the British Association of Leisure Parks and Attractions, or BELPA for short, represents the static fun fairs. We at InBelpa have started NVQs. We're doing part one and part two to make sure that the operators who run our rides within our industry are trained to a level of competence to show that they have the quality file, that they know what they are doing. And it's good for the industry because if somebody wants to move on and go to another theme park, they can actually produce a certificate to say that they've been trained to a level of degree. But isn't there really a problem here? Here we've got you standing in a very nice theme park, representing the industry, telling us everything is, you know, reasonably safe, but you yourself have had incidents with the snake train where the boy was seriously injured. Yes, and it was actually driven by a human, where it had human error, like driving a car. And when we had that incident where that lad was thrown out of the carriage, by going around a bend. We decided then to scrap the whole of the snake train. A ride that had been here for 48 years was suddenly taken away and never used again. <laughs> but as safe as Belper may claim that all static funfairs are, some argue that they're safer than others. Alton Towers claims to have the only permanent full-time safety expert, so we contacted a number of other Belper members, all of whom said they did have at least one staff member who dealt with safety issues, although they did admit that this was often done in conjunction with other duties. At one centre, for example, a car mechanic was responsible for rides, at another, ticketing staff. Just because these people are doing other jobs doesn't mean they're not knowledgeable or trained, but it doesn't do much to inspire customer confidence. You're standing here in the queue for the tickets. Where have you come from? Ilford, Essex, just on the side of London. Now, in terms of when you're going round, do you ever think about the safety and things like that of the rides, or do you just sort of take it for granted? I expect safety, yeah, from... Uh people like Alton Towers, I'm sure they get safety checks. Would you kind of be surprised if I said to you that this particular place was the only one in the country to have its own safety officer? Yes, I would be, yes. Well, why? Well, um, the work I do, I expect there to be safety officers in most places. So what's that? I'm a fireman. So when you're sort of whizzing round at a G-Force of four or whatever on some other ride in the middle of wherever elsewhere, I mean, what did you think the safety would be like there? Well, I would have thought that they would have to meet certain BS standards. So uh, I would expect that every theme park should have to go through quite rigorous safety checks. Gordon Seven is Alton Towers' permanent and full-time safety expert. He designed the park's £12 million Nemesis ride, an amazing 11-tonne roller coaster. When the ride was built, over a million pounds was spent on safety equipment. And today, technicians constantly monitor the ride's performance. So here we go, and we're on the Nemesis ride. Well, through the safety things, George. It's absolutely horrible. Here we go. Coming down, down through the first twist. Then we'll be going through 360 degrees. Ah! All the way around. 3.5 G. Into the tunnel. 360 degrees. Down to the next IG, which is about 3 G. Negative G. seconds of sheer excitement. <laughs> well, that was really good, I like that. Perfectly safe. 
I think the industry has got to take part of the blame itself. And I think also that HSE could help in this sphere by not only training the client's people, but passing some of this information on in a worthwhile way to the manufacturers and to clients. Why do you think they've been so slow? Is it purely down to the money? Is it the pounds and pence? Whilst, yes, pounds and pence do play a part, I think the other thing is, obviously, the expertise that is available in the market at the moment. And it's very limited and it's very, very difficult to be able to get people and give them experience that's been gained over many, many years. But that experience comes at a cost. According to Coroner Philip Walters, there's another problem. In the guidelines issued by the Health and Safety Executive, inspectors are asked to do a thorough inspection. But it's left to the inspectors to decide how stringent that examination should be. I don't think it's an adequate description. To the general public, thorough means something very special and very detailed. And I think to an inspector, it can mean something quite cursory. It could possibly mean just a visual inspection. So what do you want to see done? What I would like to see done is for the government or whatever agency is responsible, the health and safety executive, to undertake provision of rules where everything is mandatory. These are the things in these circumstances which must be carried out. Well, this is the type of inspection in these circumstances which would satisfy and which must be carried out. Do you believe then, if the type of system that you want to see was in place at the time, that Timothy Morgan's inquest would never have occurred? I think that if there had been a mandatory set of rules which required very detailed inspections, that the inquest would never have taken place. He would still be alive today? Yes, I think so. The government's own health and safety executive and the industry admit that the rules do need updating. Belper's Richard Pawley argues that most of the change should be forced on the inspectors. They have got to monitor their engineers. They've got to monitor engineers to make sure that they are capable of doing what they say they can do. Now, are they doing that, though? Not presently, no. They're not, to be fair. We know of situations within the industry where people are not qualified to do those type of inspections. But what does the organisation which represents these third-party inspectors have to say? Richard Barnes of the National Association of Leisure Industry Certification. What we've done is we're introducing a scheme that may be just a halfway house. This particular accreditation scheme... So neither workable, sort of workable, but not quite there. No, no, it's going to be workable, but we are going to wait and see. Let's see what happens when the new scheme comes out. So to be a member of NAFLEC, what would I need to join? Oh, we don't have a... To be a member of NAFLEC, to get the information, there is no requirement. We don't vet people. Um, The new accreditation scheme lays down a set of standards that are required. So I could pay £250, become a member of NAFLEC and say I'm an independent fairground amusement park inspector. Well, you could do, but you wouldn't get any work because the people operating the rides wouldn't employ you. But I could sign certificates? At the moment, uh, you can do that, but you would be falsely doing that, and therefore that would be illegal. But I could have a quick look around and say, that looks safe to me. Yes, but you wouldn't know what you were looking for. But I could still sign the certificate. Anyone can do that. You can actually print um, counterfeit pound notes. But uh, whether you get away with it or not is a totally different matter. Ultimately, it's the health and safety executive who are the final arbiters of what is safe and unsafe. So are they really up to the job? David Eaves of the HSE. The law as it stands is a very powerful tool and the industry is very conscious of the 
attention that it receives from our inspectors who can and do prosecute or put on prohibition notices or improvement notices when they find matters seriously adrift. So the trends are all in the right direction. What do you say, though, to what some people in the HSE themselves are privately saying, that your officers are very, you know, willing to take action, but they're actually ignorant of the facts, they're ignorant of engineering principles, of fair ground operation procedures, and that they themselves don't really have enough information to make a value judgment? No, I really don't accept that because our officers on the ground, whether they're dealing with the fairground industry or the construction industry or the engineering or chemicals industries, they're all trained inspectors. Uh, They know what they're looking for. They're looking at the uh, safety management systems of organisations. They're not there, and I ought to make this clear, they're not there to carry out thorough examinations of fairground rides. If we have to do that, uh, we can bring the resource in to do it and we have the knowledge to do that. But that is the responsibility of the fairground operator. The inspector's job is to police the industry and see that the maintenance systems are in place and that they're producing the desired results. But if you really, really want to take tough action, shouldn't you be convincing the government to make sure that these once-a-year voluntary inspections really are made mandatory and that set things are looked at in, in set prescribed orders? Why don't you take the advice of people within the field and do more? Well, the effect of the regime which we have in place is, as I've described, a good effect. I mean, ten years ago, I think we had a very unsatisfactory situation. We made it clear to the industry that that was intolerable. Work was done together between HSE and the industry to uh, jack up standards, and I think the results of that work have been paying off. So, in the meantime, we'll have to wait and see. But there are things that we can do to protect ourselves. Gordon Seven. Well, here we are in the more scenic and restful gondolas. What sort of practical things, though, do you think we should all be looking out for? I mean, as consumers, what do we look for when we're choosing where to send us and the kids? Or, you know, and, and as industry, what do they look for? You need to look for the record and what is said, obviously, in the press about people and about parks. Also, listen to what your neighbours say, and I'm sure that they will willingly tell you what they think are the good or bad points about them. Is there there anything in particular that we should be avoiding? You know, if you've got small children, are the dodgem cars all right? You know, or should we be going in this sort of thing? You know, the chairlifts and the skylifts. When you approach a ride, the first thing to do is look to see if it's got a good barrier around it so you can't walk into the ride. That They've obviously thought about safety and said what the restrictions are on the ride. And if they've done things like that and they've done it in a proper way, well then there's a fair chance that yes, they think about safety and think about how they look after their customers. That's it from you and yours for today. Mark Whitaker's with you on Monday.